Hey, everybody, welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Crossin Skis is a small new company that's building skis right outside of Seattle, and they are also making some very big claims. So we talked to their 31-year-old founder, Chase Englehart, about the origins of Crossin, what makes their skis different and better than what's out there, manufacturing skis in Tequila, Washington, working with athletes like Bobby Brown and Banks Gilberti, and their 1920 lineup. This episode of Gear 30 is presented by Tribe Alpha. Tribe Alpha is great e-commerce for the great outdoors and can help you improve the performance of your e-commerce site. With more than 25 years of web experience, Tribe Alpha has a long and successful history working with retailers in the outdoor industry and will help you grow your e-commerce business. Furthermore, Gear 30 listeners get a special discount. Visit tribealpha.com gear to receive a 10% discount off their standard pricing. That's tribealpha.com gear. And now let's get to my conversation with Crossin Skis founder, Chase Englehart. Chase, how are you today and where are you today? I'm good. You know, we're making skis here today, so it's always a pretty good day and uh you know nice weather here in the pacific northwest so no complaints okay where is crossing located it's just south of downtown seattle in tuquilla washington tuquilla okay what is your role at crossing founder ceo basically it was my idea from the start and pretty much my own no I don't have any other partners or anything really. So started as an idea maybe 2013. Had a company out of Europe, specifically in Switzerland, prototype skis for me and uh, kind of made the decision at a certain point that it was either continue to make them just for family and friends and it was a cool thing or go all in and properly manufacture it. And uh, that's where I am now. Tell me a bit about your background and um, what got you to the point where you're like, I think I should start building skis. So I'm originally from Sun Valley, Idaho. Been skier all my life. Um, I competed in mogul skiing for a long time, a little bit of like, Big air, few pipe events. That was back when that was like really new, you know. And yeah, stopped skiing and competing skiing in high school. And then I went to school, uh, college in Texas. So didn't really get a whole lot of skiing. And then after I graduated, I uh, moved back to Sun Valley and uh, took a uh, like two seasons off from work and uh, just kind of skied. And that's kind of had me the beginning thoughts of, you know, 
kind of paying attention to characteristics of different skis, what I liked about certain skis, what I didn't like about certain skis. And then that's kind of when the ball started getting rolling. I'm thinking like what could be done different. And it wasn't until maybe 2013 that I contacted a company out of Switzerland called Sai. And from a manufacturing standpoint, that was pretty much the closest thing what I had in my mind um, of how I would want to create my own ski. And they were reluctant at first. They pretty much make only carving skis and they're very, very expensive. But I wanted to see, you know, if you took that and put that into a free ride ski, if you were going to see a meaningful change in the ride characteristics and everything like that. And so that was really the, 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 the idea and the start was kind of a no compromise um, construction that was truly different and unique and didn't have any costs considering. Um, and it had a granite core and vulcanized rubber top sheet and the whole nine yards. <laughs> it was pretty crazy and pretty expensive, <laughs> but um, it worked. It kind of proved my point. Um, they had never built a twin tip ski before. Um, I had never designed a ski before. And so once that idea was kind of um, solidified and, and proven, I got it about a year and a half later, the first one. So then I went on and had to make a all-mountain ski. And then that kind of got to the point where it was like, well, I can either continue to make them for, you know, friends and family and stuff like that and be a cool little side gig or I go and I properly manufacture them myself. Don't, you know, outsource manufacturing. So buy all the equipment and um, basically I, I said that it, it works so well that I would have probably a lot of regret knowing or what could have been if I didn't pursue this. So that kind of got the ball rolling to where I uh, went and acquired ski press and all the tuning equipment. And that's the probably the second half of what makes our skis uh, very unique is uh, – one is the construction and how we build the skis, and we can go into detail, a lot more detail on that. But also the um, equipment, the tuning equipment used. It's arguably maybe the best in North America. So, um, yeah, we can, we can do some pretty crazy stuff from the tuning perspective. And um, it was – the whole idea is like, just not cutting corners anywhere. Everything is important. Every small 
every small bit can be worked on and improved. And the idea is if you take all those small pieces, it adds up to a big change. Let me back this up for a second. First of all, the name, Crossin Skis. Where where do we get the name Crossin? So Crossin is um, my middle name. It is my mother's maiden name, so my mother's side of the family. And that side of the family has a lot of history with ski racing as well as aerospace. So it kind of ties it, it ties it in nicely with what we were doing. And to be completely frank, um, it was just really a temporary holding name. <laughs> and, uh, you know, once we kind of got started, we kept kicking around ideas and names. And, uh, yeah, nothing really it was either taken or – and then we kind of just were like, hey, you know what, we're – we're, we're okay with uh, what what we have now. So, um, you know, I'm not a uh, real kind of ostentatious guy. It's not like I really wanted to see my name and lights or whatever. So uh, it just kind of worked out that way. Okay. So what year is it when – you have made this decision like, look, we either just keep manufacturing a few pairs of skis in Europe and I can give them to some friends and families, or we, we really do this and start purchasing equipment and start building this stuff ourselves. That was around uh, about 2014, I believe, because I had a good understanding of, of what it was going to take. Um, from a time perspective. So, I mean, from the decision, um, it was probably in the Mar in March because I had to put in, it was going to take six months to get the equipment. I had to find a space. I had to set up the, you know, all the legal business stuff. Um, so, and, you know, to get ready for, to be able to start making skis the following season. So I had to make that decision back in, in, in March to be ready for the following year. And then I knew it was going to take at least a year to get all the equipment working, get all the supply chain as most of the stuff comes from, from Europe, the materials. Um, so it, it, it took... It was about twenty. It was twenty fourteen, and it took a solid year from there to get the equipment, to get all the supply chain stuff, and to actually start making skis in house. Um, once we made our first skis, it was a whole nother year beyond that of just testing and putting them through the ringer and, and figuring out how to make skis um, this way has been so challenging and so, so difficult and there's no room for error doing it this way. And one small mistake can basically ru totally ruin the skis. So um, 
it took a lot of development and uh i had a an agreement with the company that was uh manufacturing before kind of uh teaching me the ins and out and how to do it and um it it it, it went beyond that we we took it a, a couple steps further um and it, it's been a long road to to get here uh, last year was our first year that our skis have been uh, for sale. So we're going into second year um, of actually having a product on the market, but it's been a long road uh, to get here. Okay. You mentioned a couple times like how difficult it is to build skis this way. Let's talk about the this way. Um, so the big thing is, well, and let's just take, um, so a lot of the manufacturing derived from, from aerospace and the materials they use are, um, all pre-preg. So pre-preg stands for pre-impregnated, i.e. the, the resin, um, in the materials is already, it's already there. You're not adding it and, so it allows you to control any sort of excess. You have a very finite amount of resin for the carbon, for just across uh, all your layers, except for you know the the core. But beyond that, you're you're controlling the fiberglass, the, the resin. Um, and the big thing is, uh, it's within the carbon fiber. So we're not using the normal triaxle weave, you know, this typical standard carbon weave that you see on just about everything. So unidirectional, it means all the fibers are going one, one, one way. And that means whatever orientation that you lay the fibers down in, gives you uh, different different properties. So if we lay them longitudinally, you know, the ski will get stiffer. If you put them at uh, 45 or 90, you're going to get more torsional stiffness. So it allows us to tailor the flex characteristics through any given point of the ski. So, and the pre-preg is really big in and and keeping weight down there's no excess resin within the skis because it's all they're all basically dry um you know at least dry to handle materials so all the things you need to cure the ski are already in the materials themselves which is basically what they use in aerospace because they have a very tight tolerances of allowables of what's too heavy and what's too light so it's very has to be very repeatable and exact every single time so i'm not going to sit here and say that we're the only people using pre-pregs in skis truly not there's plenty of other people doing it but i would say the amount of opposed to just us using big fiberglass layers and maybe a couple pieces of car, a couple layers of carbon fiber. 
we have probably less than 4% fiberglass in our skis. Our skis are almost entirely outside of the, the wood core. Our skis are predominantly just mostly carbon fiber. And it's how we lay the carbon fiber up through various points in the ski um, allows us to tune the characteristics exactly how we want. So one of the things that we've talked a lot about on Blister over the years is just, I think, the some of the uh, difficulties or performance characteristics of skis that utilize a lot of carbon fiber, right? The, I think the upsides are pretty clear and evident. Um, you usually can get a very lightweight ski. It seems like pretty much, you know, if not the entire ball game, a whole lot of the ball game though, is about how to still get decent damping out of a ski or have that ski feel like it has what we like to call just good suspension. And so when I hear you talking about a ski that is predominantly, you know, made with a carbon fiber layup, you, you're, you're triggering me, Chase. You're triggering me. <laughs> so you are 100% correct uh, that full carbon fiber skis tend to have a very tinny feeling, almost hollow, um, and just lack of dampness, really. And so how we get around that is we put a lot of rubber in the skis. So it's expensive. It's really expensive. Uh, and so is the car. Everything in, this, in our skis are, is, is not cheap. Um, but a lot of people will just put a little slip of rubber right under your edges and we go full width, full length, and uh, above and below the core. So we use um, really high-quality natural rubber. Um, two full layers, like I said, above and below the core, and that really, really helps with um, taming down that sort of tinny hollow or, you know, not damp. And what is uh, also a big factor is what wood you use. Certain woods um, transmit a lot of that uh, energy and don't really absorb it. And we use a custom bespoke core so it's beach underfoot. So basically where you're going to be mounting the binding, it's beach. So it's very, very dense, hard wood. There's two things. One is good for screw retention. So holding in the binding. And the other thing it does is it helps transmit that power down. So having a, a firm very dense wood underfoot gives you that sort of kind of racing underfoot feeling. Then out, out from that, from the tip to the tail, 
after that is Polonia. So use that one that um, helps to keep feel damp, and it's also very light. Uh, we also have in our cores carbon fiber stringers laid within the wood cores themselves. So not just laid on top, but really inlaid into layers of carbon that are inlaid into the actual joints of the wood itself. And we then fully wrap our cores in carbon fiber, which basically creates a torsion box or a mono cell, however you want to think of it. But it's just encasing the uh, wood core to give it a lot of extra strength and torsional strength around the wood because we're, we're thinning the wood core out a lot to really help keep that weight down. For us, it was really important to not only have a light ski, but have a really stable and comfortable ski. It's not something that is just focus on touring and ascending. It's us. It was the most important thing was how the ski felt, you know, on descent or in variable snow conditions or just at the resort. You know, it, it has to be a very versatile ski and not, not just touring specific. And that's what happens when you get skis that are typically very, very light is they're good at going up, but the moment you get in variable or icy or firm snow, uh, they just don't feel very stable and um, very uh, sort of tinny and hollow feeling. And we wanted that weight target, but we didn't want all those ne negative characteristics that typically come with that. So... I'd like to start talking about some of the specific skis um, that you're making right now. And I'd also be really curious. I, I think on your website, you don't currently have um, stated weights, but I would love to get a sense, um, even if ballpark, on where you're coming in on some of these different skis, just to give people a better sense of like, how light are we talking or, you know, if are we going, are we talking insanely light? Are we talking, you know, relatively light? Um, but why don't we start with, um, tell me about the different models that you guys are currently making. Um, so we have our park ski, just like park and pipe. It was actually the first model that we designed and, uh, it's called the rogue. And it's 84 under foot, which, funny enough, uh, back when we designed it, was normal for a park ski. But now it's seen as, like, super narrow. So, um, But it's still a great um, pipe ski. And that is um, sold just directly from us. Um, there are no stores that will sell that ski, and we drop the price on that uh, this this coming season. So, what's the price on that Rogue? It's it's uh, eight hundred dollars. Okay. 
Um, it has uh, a bamboo core for strength and just something that you can, can, uh, we know that, you know, if it's going to spend most of its time in the train park or, uh, in the pipe, it's just going to get beat on. So, um, we wanted a, a core that is really strong and durable and, um, actually we had to, in that case, actually that the bamboo is heavier and it actually helped because, uh, in testing prior, we've had some other cores, cedar and, and the ski like was so light that we're talking like 1200 grams. It had, it felt like you had snow blades on. So it was like, it was a little t- like didn't have a good, again, it's all about how it feels on the snow and, and, you know, weight is not number one. It's actually, you know, performance is the most important thing. So that, in that case, we actually needed to add a little bit. And so I believe that that ski sitting around, I think it's right around 1700 grams. So still plenty, plenty light, but really solid um, and durable ski. Before we go on, I got to ask, I mean, this is frankly super strange that the first ski you're making is a very high end and very expensive park ski. This is, this is counter to, I'd say, everything going on in the industry Mm -hmm. well like i said so it was the you know that will take us back that was the first um the very first ski that i had that company in switzerland uh prototype for me so this was back in what 2013 i guess when we were talking about this and so it was just I think back then, you know, was a bit bigger. And I think now it's kind of the momentum has shifted to kind of big mountain and kind of free ride world tour. And, and it's, but back then it was park was still, I, I would say still had a lot of pizzazz and was uh, probably a little bit bigger in the scene, but it just comes back. It was, that was just the first ski that, we trial run prior to me even saying like I was going to bring it to the market at all. So the second ski we had made was a, a 103 all mountain ski, uh, 103 under foot. And that, uh, that was kind of, that was always my favorite, um, sort of everyday type of can do anything ski. And, that was the one that sort of solidified the decision to uh, actually take it take it to market and not um, not just have it be some kind of hobby. But as to why we started with the park ski and not not that one, you know, it's a good question. I think I was back when Bang Skill Birdie and I. I think we just kind of wanted to see what you know if we could make the ultimate park and pipe ski and that's kind of just what we came up with that was prior to even thinking about bringing it to the market and so um i think it was also easier 
the company to manufacture it because that was more in the kind of in the realm of what not that they make park and pipe skis but just the dimensions were a lot closer to what they already made so i think it kind of made it a little easier transition so the next ski i made in i guess in that timeline was uh 103 um underfoot it's uh the imperium it's our flagship ski um it has a very intricate um basically fully exposed top sheet um which also adds a whole nother level of difficulty in manufacturing because you can't have any cosmetic blimps on it at all for it to be sellable because it's just basically what you're looking at is just the carbon fiber underneath the ski and there's a very small line but other white line but other than that it's just basically a fully transparent top sheet and it's a late it's pretty labor intensive that's our flagship ski um but we do have something that sits in between um that is new this year it's called our raider it's a 95 underfoot so a little bit more of a resort front side ski it's definitely still an all mountain ski just maybe more biased towards ripping the groomers and or more comfortable in the in the moguls just to due to its little narrow under waist and not quite as big of a shovel tip on there and so it's it's just kind of a little bit more biased uh front side kind of ski whereas the imperium although it's not much wider the shape is pretty drastically different and is a lot more suited for crud and powder but can still totally you know rip on the on the groomers and and carve it's it's just a great daily what kind of one ski quiver type of and um after that we got a we got a powder ski that's 1600 foot and uh yeah it can kind of all, I would say like all our skis are really good at doing and then performing in all sorts of different snow conditions and all over the mountains. Like I know here in the Pacific Northwest, our powder skis dimensions are what a lot of people just ride every day. And you could 100% ski our powder ski every single day of the year. Um, so it's just our, all our skis are pretty versatile in the fact that you can ski just a wide range of conditions and and surfaces and and they're they're meant to perform on the on the downhill. It's not all just kind of lightness for touring purposes. So, so do you have some stated weights? Yeah, our powder ski in 186 length configuration is around 2100 the 186 imperium which is that 103 under foot ski that's around 1850 roughly 
and the 182 Raider is right at, I think, just under 1,800 grams. Um, we're pretty happy with the with the weights because, as I stated before, it's more about the performance and less about weight targets. Back um, prior, we had had skis too light. So we had 186 Imperiums, you know, coming in the low 1700s. And uh, while it's really cool to have something that light, and again, I guess, you know, if someone came to us and they wanted something specifically for touring, we can go ahead and, and make that. But we just found that, you know, for a skier that wants to just ski the resort, maybe they have, maybe they do some backcountry and it's, it's a bit of mixed or, you know, you're not always in perfect powdery conditions, then you need something that, that cuts through that crud and just kind of, uh, kind of just cuts through the snow and it doesn't get pushed around or sort of beat up. And so it was, that, I think that was a, a big thing for us is we had had skis too light in, in our testing period. So we actually kind of didn't purposely add weight, but found ways of increasing the weight. But they also it also did something else. It increased durability on strength and various things. And then it, and it kind of helped push us back into a comfortable weight, weight zone. The smaller sizes in those various models are, you know, going to be a little lighter. So, you know, the 169 length powder ski is probably going to be at least 150 grams lighter than the longest length one. So I would say what is important, though, is um, back to how we're manufacturing. Ski to ski is very, very uh tight allowables you know it's usually under 15 grams differences between the skis i mean there's a lot of the time we come out and i have the skis within under five grams difference which can literally be the difference of you know how much when we're tuning the skis five grams can be just you know if the grinder took off a little bit more edges or on one ski than the other. I mean, very, very um, consistent between the skis. So um, that's it's pretty. It's pretty cool in in the fact that we also will then go and and pair it, so it can really get down to where we can have the skis within a, a couple of grams from your from the from your pair. So if you buy a a pair of your left and right ski are, for all intents and purposes, pretty much identical in terms of weight. I want to talk to you a bit about base structures. And you you guys, it seems like you might have the most comprehensive service um, when it comes to shipping skis out with very specific base structures. So tell me, you mentioned before, you said you thought that you guys had some of the most sophisticated tuning equipment in North America, but talk to me a bit about why there is this emphasis on base structure. Well, 
you know, it's pretty important as it's the part that's interfacing with the snow. So, um, uh, like I said, everything, everything's important. And just down to the bases we use, we use, um, like, I think probably the thickest race bases, um, available on the market. So we have very, uh, thick bases to start with and we're using the fastest bases you can buy the stuff that you're typically finding on, you know, race, actual race skis. Um, so we start with that and yeah, every single model has its own structure that's specifically intended for what to maximize what it is that that ski is doing. So the powder ski is the, the structure has been optimized for just that for soft snow, um, powder, obviously you can request different structures. Um, if you say you wanted the powder structure on the all mountain ski or the all mountain structure on the powder ski, it's totally doable, but we specifically went out and designed our own custom structures per whatever given model it is. So like the park ski has a bi-directional structure, which means it's, it, you know, switch or directional skiing. It, it's, uh, equal. Um, so that's pretty unique. The other unique factor is that we're using, again, can be requested, but it, it comes standard, which is three-dimensional structures. So we have actual grooves cut into the ski. Um, and the angle and the width and sizing of that cut um, can be tailored and changed, but is, again, um, set out to have very kind of specific things for whatever that, that, that ski is trying to do. So it's, it's getting a bit nerdy and then coming into how we wax the skis or infrared waxed, both conditioning, um, conditioned and then buffed and then rewaxed again. So it's heat cycled maybe four times to get absolute most wax penetrating in there. Um, so yeah, we, uh, the edges are ceramic, ceramic dish polished. Um, this is stuff that you're, you're finding on like world cup race tuning isn't it's being applied to, um, you know, your free ride ski. So we're not, we're, you know, turning over every stone and, and trying to get the every bit of performance everywhere across the ski. That all sounds good. It also sounds expensive. And so, you know, you guys are a new company. You are not producing at massive scale. Um, and so, I mean, I love the sound of like, we are not cutting any corners whatsoever in manufacturing. Um, that's certainly a coherent sort of market strategy, 
but it sounds like an expensive one. So let's talk about price and let's just talk about the realities of that strategy. Right. Um, so totally correct. Um, what we're doing is not cheap. Um, it just isn't. Our skis uh, cost what they cost, not because I grabbed some number out of thin air and using marketing you know, terms and, and, and in order to try to get a higher price or sell graphics to get a higher price, you know, it's, that's not really what we're about. Again, like it's a no cutting corners, um, approach. I, I truly wanted to, I wasn't going to make skis just to make skis. I only reason why I decided to make skis is if I could really truly bring something new to the market, do something that no, no one else is really doing. And like I said, use kind of the aerospace manufacturing and, and know-how and up and apply it to skis. Well, yeah, there's no lie that it's, it, it costs what it costs because it's, it's the best, you know, using the best materials across the whole thing and yeah it adds up but while I know my skis are not cheap by any stretch of the imagination I try to make sure there's the most value added possible so two-year warranty you you get a card basically uh, with your name on it when you get the skis you then register it, and now you get instant discounts to anything else that we sell in our shop. So we have our own collaboration outerwear with shoes. We have carbon fiber poles. We have you know boots, goggles, bindings. You get instant, basically, discounts in perpetuity for anything that we sell. You get... Um, invited to sort of demo days that we're having where you get to ski with the athletes. You get to ski on new stuff that's not out yet. Um, we truly take that our customers are really important to us and we want them to feel involved in the company where their suggestions are actually being listened to and and you know, digest it, and and like they they feel like they're a part of the company. It's not just like, oh yeah, we sold a pair of skis to you, and you know, off you go. It's you're part of sort of this family, and and like I said, you get get to come to various uh, events that we, we we put on throughout the year. Um, so I try to you know add as much as possible value to the price of our skis because our price of our skis are 800 for the the uh, rogue um, 1350 for the raider 1500 for the powder ski and 1800 for the imperium and that is really not that or not that cheap at all but you know, our skis cost to manufacture 
what other skis, you know, wholesale for. So it's, it's just kind of the nature of, of what we're trying to tackle and what we're trying to do. Um, like I said, I'm not just pulling numbers out of, out of thin air and trying to charge it. It's just, just costs, costs what it costs because of what we're doing and what we're using and, and all that. But, um, like I said, I, I really want it to be an experience and to feel long-term like you're a part of a, a family and um, it's not just sort of like you're a customer and here's your, here's, here's the thing you bought and off you go. It's, it's kind of like, you know, you're a part, a part of this journey with us. And let's talk a little bit about, back to what specifically you guys are doing in Tequila, because again, you know, with these prices, you guys, you know, you're set up shop building in the United States, but I'd like to hear a bit more specifically about how much you guys are doing, like how much is coming from scratch. Um, can you get more specific about where you guys are at currently in terms of quote unquote manufacturing? We... Our cores come as blanks from Austria. Uh, most of our our carbon fiber is from Hexcel, which is you know the main supplier for Boeing and Airbus and most of the aviation industry. Um, so that comes from Europe. Most of the raw materials come from come from Europe. Uh, we get the raw materials in, and from there, everything's in-house. So we cut the bases in-house. We profile the cores. We cut out the carbon fiber into you know the desired laminates. We construct it in-house. Um, one thing I haven't gone over yet is our press. So our press is pretty advanced. Um, basically, we don't have any camber rocker profiles built into the molds or the press. So our, our press has sort of these hydraulic, uh, we call them chocks, but they're just, it's like 22 points across the ski. And we can change it by 0.05 millimeters. So crazy small fine adjustments. And we can basically make whatever. So given how we can construct the ski with the carbon fiber and with our press, it allows us to make basically infinite adjustments. The shape is obviously cut out in in the mold and and that stays fixed but aside from that flex camber rocker can be changed infinitely you know 0.05 millimeters is you know almost nothing and you can adjust that across all the ski across the entire ski so i mean we've done and do custom stuff so Say you wanted a powder ski that was, you know, 
reverse camber for deep skiing in Japan or heli skiing or stuff like that. That can be done. You know, we can basically do anything as long as it's uh, the uh, shape is the shape's locked in. But aside from that, it can be completely customized. Um, so, yeah, like I said, we, aside from just taking the raw, getting the raw materials from Europe, uh, which is where really everyone gets their stuff from, there's very few suppliers in the ski industry. It's really down to about, you know, one hand, you can pretty much count everyone. Uh, so, but we use, you know, the thickest, hardest edges you can get like I said the thickest race bases you can buy so we just start from the top and then we take that and we do our thing with it and yeah it's all done right here in Tukwila which is I mean pretty much just Seattle but yeah Hmm. and how did you land on Tukwila my other job at uh in the aerospace industry is just down the road at uh basically Boeing field. And so it's, uh, it was, it was easy for me, for me to, uh, just be a few miles down the road from my other job. So, um, and, uh, you know, zoning was difficult to find a place that allowed us to manufacture, you know, wholesale and retail. So it had to have those three zoning requirements with, limits you a lot you can manufacture but then you can't sell out of the same facility or maybe you can only wholesale out of there and you can't have customers come in and drop off skis for tuning or buy something right there so that kind of limited us a little bit but um really it was um close proximity to the other stuff i do and are still doing yeah not as much this takes up quite a bit of my time um, but yeah I still I work a, a couple other jobs actually <laughs> okay should I ask you about the couple other jobs you know I'm a I'm a partner and um, I'm a partner in this aerospace company called aviation partners so we um, we build the winglets that go on you know like the Boeing 737s and seven six sevens um and a lot of the ones that are on private jets as well and uh i sit on a board a couple of boards one in a lightweight uh, concrete and then a hydrogen company as well so i stay pretty pretty busy <laughs> between all of them but uh luckily the other you know, allow me to give me enough time to, to be here a lot. So then I have a good team that, uh, can run this place when I'm not here. So it works out. One thing that's also pretty remarkable, your athletes, you are working with uh, a guy named Bobby and a guy named Banks. Tell me a little bit about this and how those relationships came to be. So we can start with Banks. He and I were um, 
on ski team together growing up. So we go back a long ways. And uh, back when I contacted the company in Switzerland to prototype skis for me, he was um, involved in the design from the start. So he's kind of been a part of it from the very beginning. And with Bobby, you know, him and Banks have a a long history of friendship. And um, he was always kind of on my list as someone who would be like, you know, probably top three guys if I could have build a sort of dream team. He was he was on the very short list. And um you know, I think we got good good timing. Um we kind of reached out to him, not expecting much, but thought we'd just reach out and um turns out that he was basically just wrapping up his um partnership with Solomon, which he had been on for a very, very long time. And uh yeah, we were able to kind of come to a good terms and um, I'm really excited about the future. We, we're working on growing the team a bit and what I think you're going to see from us in the future, which I'm really excited about, it's taken a bit longer to get there than I would have liked, but we're really going to start um, start firing off a lot of uh, media content. So a lot of edits coming you know um throughout the season and i think uh we're gonna really try to dial that up quite a bit um it's been a little slow to get there uh but it's it's gonna we're gonna really step that up um it was a very important aspect of how i wanted to grow this company back from the very beginning it was uh, one of the key elements that uh that i wanted to really market and brand the company was through a lot of uh, high quality um edits you know the same quality that you would expect from tgr or msp or any of the the big guys um i wanted that same same level and just shorter edits that are coming out more frequently. So I'm really, I'm really looking forward to uh, that going forward this season. I think um, we're going to really start pumping them out and yeah, we're, 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 we're growing. uh, We're going to grow the team as well. So I'm, I'm pretty excited from uh, athlete and, and uh, marketing standpoint. Well, Banks and Bobby, that's a hell of a foundation. Yeah. Yeah. My God. You're starting from a good place for sure. For people who want to find your skis, um, where are these going to be available? Uh, so we have a lot of places in Europe and stateside. Yeah, you'll be able to find them in Sun Valley at Sturt events and and. Parks uh, Gorsuch has a lot of uh, Utah and Colorado. I believe they'll be in Aspen, Vale, Beaver Creek, Park City, and we're working on 
a few other places in like the Tahoe area and Whistler and, and other than that, um, we'll, we're kind of doing a demo tour. So if that's not, um, kind of nearby, uh, where you're at, you, you stay, uh, it will be on our uh, new website that's launching here, but, um, kind of show where we're going to be doing various demo days. Maybe it's like Taos and Crested Butte and Whistler and then here in, you know, Pacific Northwest hood area and stuff. So, um, that gives you a chance to, to try them out. And, um, yeah, all those places that previously mentioned all had, uh, demo, demo skis as well. So, and I think we might be getting uh, getting our hands on some of the crossing skis. I think something I uh, one of your guys said maybe October. Yeah, those would be coming in. So uh, obviously, when we get that, we'll do what we do and get our first looks up and the like. But yeah, I mean, this is uh, you're talking a big game, man. There's a whole lot of talk about not cutting any corners and no compromise and everything is important. And I love that. That's a line I use a lot myself. So I'm very curious to see, uh, see these things you've been working on for so many years now. Yeah, it's been a long road, but, um, I always like to, I like the product to, to speak for itself. So like you said, it's, you know, talk is talk is talk, but, um, when you, you look at them and and ski on them for the first time i think you, you'll really notice that extra level of detail that we go to from um we hand polish our sidewalls and it's kind of weird but we actually even wax them so you know when your skis rolled over it's just a, just that little bit less friction on the snow. It's just every tiny little thing from um, really rounding off the edges and the very tip and the tail so you're not getting any catching or biting. And um, yeah, just every little thing is um, not overlooked and Every detail is important, and that's that little extra bit that we just, you know, again, it's just that extra level of finishing um, on top of it. Well, we tend to like attention to detail around here, so uh, again, we'll be very interested and eager to, to check these out, and um, yeah, I appreciate you taking the time today to walk us through a bit of the backstory and some of the future plans. And, uh, yeah, um, it's going to be, going to be interesting to, uh, to check all this out. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to get your feedback. Well, listen, man, I'll let you get back to it. Um, but yeah, again, thanks for the time and, uh, for filling us in. And, um, this is going to be fun to watch, uh, watch you guys move forward. Good chatting with you. We'll talk to you again real soon. That's it for this edition of Gear 30. Thanks to Chase for the conversation, and thanks to Tribe Alpha for sponsoring this episode. Go to tribealpha.com gear to see how they can help you grow your e-commerce business, and in the process, get a 10% discount off their standard pricing when you go to tribealpha.com gear. 
I also want to thank Luke Alley for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. If you are enjoying these Gear 30 episodes, please spread the word to your GearHead friends, and please be safe out there, and we will talk to you again next week.